Fireball Whiskey Flames Out. This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. An off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Hello, everybody. Tim Bennett here, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. We are the Tuesday podcast from your friends at the Focus Group. Be sure to find us at all your favorite platforms uh, on Tuesday mornings, and uh, where we discuss three topics that uh, have caught our eye for the for the week. We'd like to thank our friends from Critics Choice Video, who've been with us since the start of TFG Unbuttoned. Be sure to shop them when you go to our site, focusgroupradio.com. While you're there, you'll also find all of our media housed. For our show, The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash, which is released on Wednesdays in a video form and Saturdays in an audio format. And audio is still king, John. Audio is audio king indeed. Yeah. What do we like to say about it? Theater of the mind. Theater of the mind. <laughs> so some a couple things for you. Um, do you. Did you happen to ever watch a show called The Wire from back in the day? It's often talked about, I think it was uh, President Obama's, one of his favorite yeah. shows. And, it, you know, it takes place in Baltimore. It had many seasons, an HBO show. But many people point to it as like this seminal, you know, crime show. And I remember watching a couple seasons and liking it and then kind of dropping off for some reason. And I'm wondering if I should return you to it. pick it up again? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, why not, right? <laughs> the one I thought of watching again, the one I think you should watch that I actually think you and Bob would enjoy is Breaking Bad. I know yes, you watched yes. one or two episodes and that was it. But for me, it was the, one of the few things during the pandemic that I could not wait to the next episode because I never knew what was going to happen. And for me, I think you're like me. You like to kind of think ahead. Okay, here's where the plot's going. And um, what I liked about it is I could never figure out where they were going. And so it kept me, it kept me, uh, you know, entertained and kept me, uh, you know, watching. So. I think you should consider Breaking Bad when you... Uh, I agree. And, and there is not one person in our orbit who has said, like, you know, something bad about Breaking Bad or you're not going to like it. Every single person, if I ever bring it up, they're like, you haven't watched it? <laughs> well, and it's such dark humor. There's one character that I just know. I, I, I laughed out loud with the character. I mean, it wasn't funny, but it was. And it was so much yours and my humor. And I thought, boy, oh boy, I laughed and I still laugh thinking about it because there's I won't spoil it for you. But in the first season, there's a character that shows up that I thought, oh, boy, this is you and I had written this. <laughs> this is this is our character. <laughs> so, you know what so else I dug out of the uh, I dug out the uh, um, Little Britain DVDs. Oh, um, and I am saving those for when we come to visit you, um, because I said to Bob, we could just put one of these discs on and we're going to be captivated for we're going to watch show after show. There are so many sketches that I completely forgot about, you know, that they did that are just like one of them is this this one of them. The uh, the tall guy plays um, an innkeeper in Scotland. And there is the I think it was Matt Lucas as the shorter, bald one. He's sitting at a table with his wife. Right. And they're ordering something. And the taller guy, the innkeeper, whenever they order something like he he brings out a little flute and he plays this little tune and he does something ridiculous. Like he he poses a riddle to them or something like that. he goes, it's red. It's it comes from the garden. <laughs> and the other one goes a tomato he goes yeah oh how'd you know anyway it's just it's a, it's a daffy sketch like i don't even know how they thought of it 
but it's just funny. Sounds like something that happens out in Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's a total but um bump. Yeah. (laughs) So you you know what I watched over the weekend? Is the real friends of WeHo on MTV? Did you watch that? Yeah, I have not watched it. I have seen reactions to it all over the place. Not necessarily good. What was your take? Exactly what you just said. It, but I, 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 had, I read a bunch of things in social media popped up in the feed, and people had said, you know, why are some of these people doing this to themselves? And they're not friends. These people are not friends. So why pretend they are? Everybody who follows them knows they're not friends, particularly James Vaughn and Jonathan Bennett, who live in Palm Springs yes. and are constantly online talking about Palm Springs. All of a sudden, they're in WeHo. The part that I, there's a one guy in there, Joey, and I think, I don't know if we've had him on our show before. He, I know him and I can't place where I know him from. We've had interactions with him. He's some sort of, he's now built himself as a social uh, influencer or something. His name's Joey Zazig or something. Joey Zauzig, Z-A-U-Z-I-G. Yeah, and right. I know him from somewhere. And I don't know if we met him at a conference or, I can't place him. But, because uh, he was in Manhattan and he worked at Hillfigure. And uh, I'm just trying to remember where we, we've run into him before. And That's, I know, you know, I, know I, I have, but I, I, can't, I can't place him. That's that's a I'm going to check it out. I'm going to do a little digging and see if there's some where, where the crossover could be, because. Yeah, but, but it's catty and nasty and all the other things you'd expect. There's only two seasons and they're 30, you know, 23, 30, you know, it's a half hour show. So it's uh, so right now they're just at the introductory phase. But as you move or move into it, it's it's just like the Real Housewives of blank. You know, there's there's the fighting, there's the strife, there's the yelling, there's the social climber, there's all all the things you'd expect. Mm. I don't know. I'm surprised. I haven't watched MTV in a hundred years. So the fact that I guess they moved RuPaul's Drag Race there, and now they're doing this, maybe they're trying to reboot the network. I don't know. Yeah, RuPaul's been over on like VH1 and MTV right. for quite some time now, and I know they shortened RuPaul to accommodate this. Yeah, this show. <laughs> Which yeah, which I was I, like, really? Did you need? <laughs> What were those other 23 hours taken up? <laughs> well, you bring up an really, amazingly... You couldn't keep RuPaul at the, at the regular time. And way more popular. Um, I, it, did you bring up a great point? It's like I, we got sucked into watching part of um, a marathon or like a string of broadcasts of um, Below Decks on Bravo. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny how you could watch a couple of those shows. And then if you see a different season... You feel like you're seeing the same show, but it's different personalities and people because it is the same show. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, it's like it's hard work being on those boats, whatever. And and usually the people that staff them are young, you know, because they can move around and they can do that kind of thing. And so you're going to have the same kind of conflicts, you know, hooking up, whatever, you know, people trying to, you know, stick to their jobs and the captain has to crack the whip and then all the whole bit. So it's. Yeah. This kind of TV, I mean, we've been living with it for quite some time, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, not very much so. So, uh, yeah, check out those shows if you care to. The um, <laughs> That was a backhanded, we, like, oh, but, um, um, we but, have, definitely, uh, but definitely check out Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, definitely, yes. But, yeah, well, yeah, Breaking Bad and, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race and those other things. I'm sure you'll find it entertaining. So I'm sure you'll find this WeHo thing entertaining. We'll see where it goes. So... Uh, we have three stories this week. The first one, um, John had found these, and I just, they were in perfect order the way he sent them to me. So I just said, let's go with them. The first one I just laughed at because it's kind of the the party the party 
alcohol of choice. People, when, when we grew up, a lot of people did Jägermeister. Remember that? You mm-hmm. shots of Jaeger or something. Jaeger, so now, yeah. Yeah, now it's Fireball. It's Fireball whiskey. So the headline is, there's no whiskey in many bottles of Fireball, so customers are suing for fraud. So there's 99-cent bottles are sold at about 170,000 um, convenience stores and gas stations and, and small, we would call them nips or miniature airplane bottles or something of, of this Fireball yeah. whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that word for them. But, yeah, it's just a little, little nip one. of whiskey. Yeah. So they said that it's... it's um. It's advertises or it says on the label file, fireball cinnamon whiskey, but upon a closer look, when you actually read the ingredients on the smaller bottles, they don't actually contain whiskey. That it's really just a malt, uh, a malt beverage, and um, with some flavoring and and uh, it says it's a natural malt beverage with natural whiskey and other flavors and a caramel color. So insinuating that whiskey is an ingredient, but it's not. It's actually a malt beverage, something. So people are upset about it. Decidedly so. I thought of the whole thing of just marketing with this. What if you were allergic to malt mm. or something? And yeah. You thought you were yeah. getting whiskey. So I, I laughed about this. Have you ever had the fireball? No, never. And I recognized it and I've seen this. Um, you know, you and I've seen this. And that's the thing that's so fascinating about this is it's often sold at gas stations. Yeah like convenience stores and gas stations. And someone finally was like, wait a minute, you're selling liquor, which I'm not, I don't don't know if they can. I mean, they sell beer and stuff like that, right? So that's what put people wise to this. And then they, I guess someone eventually sent it to the lab or something to figure it out. But um, two different labels, right? Yeah, because the actual big bottles do have whiskey. It is. Yes, they do. Yeah. So these smaller ones, it's a malt beverage. And I, so I said, you know, it's what happens when you don't use the Oxford comma. (laughs) <laughs> because it ran it, it ran it together. It says malt beverage with natural whiskey and other flavors, but it should have had a comma with flavors. But uh, anyway, so it it um, so yeah, it was it's a malt beverage. It's not uh, not whiskey. So I guess people will win that lawsuit, don't you think? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, or it's gonna get it's it's gonna go. It's gonna weave its way how it does, and then eventually. The attorneys are going to sit down before it goes to either a judge or a jury and be like, okay, let's figure this out. Because I don't know, this, this is a pretty, this is one of those cases where I don't, proving deceptive advertising is not going to be that difficult because you're basically saying, if it says, you know, even though it says the flavor, you know, malt, whiskey, whatever, you assume that whiskey's in there, right? Right. But we did a story like this with strawberry Pop-Tarts. Oh, yeah. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. I did. And they were, what, 99% apple filling? Mm-hmm. Yep. But I forget what the, they had some either trace amount, that they obviously dyed the apple uh, red, but there was some trace amount of strawberry, perhaps, which is how they got away with it. But the reality was it really wasn't strawberry. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. So, yeah, that's... It's the oak tree, the tap in the oak tree to get maple syrup, John. <laughs> the, um, the second story here, Sheets, uh, is reviewing their smile policy. I laughed at this one. Barring hiring employees with bad teeth. So if you're on the, uh, in the Midwest, parts of the Midwest and the Mid-Atlantic, uh, do you have Sheets in upstate New York? No. This, this, uh, what drew me was, well, what was happening there. But I, this is a Pennsylvania thing primarily, right? Well, Pennsylvania, they also, uh, they're based in PA. It's like a um, convenience. So it's 7-Eleven, Sheets, Wawa. People are familiar with that. Cumberland Farms. It's a convenience store that does gas gas and food and 
one of these, uh, you know, all things in one uh, stops. And yes, a lot of them are in when I drive out toward to Ohio, there's there's sheets all over the place. But they have a policy that um, they will only hire hire people. They won't hire people with teeth issues, meaning that they think uh, a warm, hospitable smile is important. And if you have any missing or broken or bad discolored teeth, uh, you're not going to get hired, or they're not going to put you certainly at the register to greet people, which uh, I kind of laughed at because not. <laughs> they, they said that a lot of the people they would hire probably don't have access to a lot of the dental insurance or some of the medical uh, insurance that um, maybe some of the wealthier areas might have. So some of these rural areas, they think it's a, uh, it's a way to discriminate against people in the working class. But uh, I laughed about it because I thought, my gosh, what do you do? Do you, you talk to somebody and if they have bad teeth, can't hire them? You know, the article took great pains to to do exactly what you just said a second ago. It was about, oh, my God, these, you know, the, the kind of employee that is going to work at Sheets may be coming from a certain type of economic level or neighborhood, and they might not have the awareness. of. And I just I read all that and I'm like, OK, that's fine. And I do get that. And I, I just. But I wonder about this in the sense that, you know, did, was, there a, was there a good intention behind this? And I don't mean that, like, I mean it like, you know, someone's like, you know, we want to make sure we present a you know, warm, welcoming atmosphere. We want our cashiers and our staff to, to smile and welcome people and greet them. And we don't want that to be interrupted by anything. And I don't know, it just, you know, this is the kind of thing that would have been never written into a policy but it would have been spoken privately behind a closed door, right? Now, you and I both know that this stuff goes on all the time. They are getting caught because it's been committed to a document, right? Right. Well, when's the last time you went to a Chinese restaurant that that wasn't uh, staffed by... Operated by, staffed by Asian people. Yeah, exactly. But but J. Crew ran into this... uh, Abercrombie and Fitch ran into this because they, as we know, they would hire the equivalent of a supermodel, men and women, Mm-hmm. But they they allowed no um, they allowed certain hair length and no um, adornment on their hair. So there was no hats allowed or no um, hajibs or any, anything like that. And then people went after them by saying that that was uh, discriminatory. But that was the image they wanted to project. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. I I I'm always on the fence with this sort of thing. I think if you do have people that are greeting the public and you want them to look a certain way, I know. Of course, it was many years ago now, 15, 20 years. But when I was hiring people for Subaru um, that were well, in charge specifically of for skiing, the auto shows and stuff, right? Well, for auto shows, too, is another thing. But just for skiing or mountain biking, I didn't necessarily hire a skier or a mountain biker or a cyclist, but somebody that looked like they could do it because they were going to be out there with those people every weekend with the consumers, with the yeah. teams. Right. And so you have to look a certain part. But same thing with the auto shows. I remember I was the um, Subaru when I worked there. We had hired a woman who was pregnant to work the floor, and you would have thought that I committed, you know, a major offense. But we were the first one to actually have a visibly pregnant woman on the show floor at the auto shows. And I said, "Pregnant women drive cars." Yeah, (laughs) I I was just going to say, like, what would be the big, big deal about that, right? Right. And then we had, um, we had, we had a deaf person, so we had, you know, someone for sign and sign language, and then we had um, Chrysler actually had hired. uh, It was the Dodge brand. But they had hired somebody who was trans. And again, this was 1996. And you can't imagine the uproar. But, um, you know, now I think obviously it's, it's far more, uh, 
it's not so you know tits and ass on the showroom floor or on the uh, auto show floor anymore. They're uh, a little more uh, normal, I guess, for lack of a better well, word. Well, you know, a representative, you, representative of the of the country and the consumers. Yeah. So if and and just a, a crude example, you know, I, I had read this as well years ago, but gun shows. You know, oh, yeah. a, a, they they actually hire like women wearing bikini. Or they used to do this, and you're going to tell me that the that the gun show is going to hire someone um, that when they smile, there you could actually see some ga- you know missing teeth or something, and you know you're going to buy the AK, you know, <laughs> well, Hooters, right? The well, there you Hooters. go. Right, you're yeah. gonna go in there and the crop top and the boobies and the whole thing. So yeah, it doesn't mean that you and I accept this as a practice. It doesn't mean that we I approve do. of it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you had your own company, I think you should be able to hire who you want to hire and represent you how you want to be represented. Hmm. But you, know, you don't think so? Yeah, no, I do. I do. It's just that you know that this is one of those things where, um, as I said before. They committed it to a piece of paper. It's in an employee manual. People have talked about it since they've been working there. You know, you and I know a lot of stuff that that's not committed to paper. That mm-hmm. it's just like you know, it's just known. Like here's what you're going to do. Here's how it's going to work. You know, <laughs> this is one of those things that I should I would have thought. Let's just let's just keep this a non-documented requirement. <laughs> that would have been a private talk in the C-suite. Of, you understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll go with that. The um, our third story here is a GOP-backed bill in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Oklahoma. <laughs> would, would fine drag performers up to twenty thousand dollars and have them face up to two years in jail for performing in front of a minor. Do you even need like it's almost <laughs> as if you don't even have to tell anybody about what the article said or what the intent yeah. of the lawmaker? The lawmaker thinks it's being misconstrued. And he claims that, you know, um, there are all kind of laws on the books for what's an appropriate strippers venue, and topless dancers yeah, for places to have event, you know, to perform, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if if this if we were to wind the clock back and, uh, you know. I remember when we, we, we were kids and my mother took us to this community theater and they I think they did um, it was the Wizard of Oz or something. But afterwards, they had a little Q&A with the kids and. You know, all the cast came out in costumes. So there was Dorothy right. and the Scarecrow and the Dead Man. And then everybody's, all the kids are laughing and smiling. And what? what where's the wizard from? And whatever the questions were. You know, there is there such a, is there a leap between the fact that these are costume performers and drag, which is costume performance. But we right. know that because of what's behind drag, that's what motivates this, right? Yeah, there was some I saw so attached to one of, and this may have been the story, but there was something on one of the social media outlets, and they did actually show two drag queens. Now, obviously, this was done on purpose. They did some uh, conservative group had posted this, but there were kids in the audience, and somebody did flash their their unit, and somebody did flash their breasts, and there were young kids there, and I, I did think that was probably inappropriate, but I don't think that's the norm. I don't think at Drag Queen Story Hour at the library, somebody's showing their hooch. And um, so, but if you take them to some of these drag brunches, I, I think everybody's drinking mimosas and having a great time, right? And they might get out of control a little bit. But this, this is saying they're not going to allow any of that. So there's going to be no, allowed no performances in any public yeah. uh, venue, which yeah. would allow you know minors to be in there. And I laughed because it said, um, this, as they were defining the drag queen, they said someone who uh, is flamboyant, 
with a feminine persona with glamorous or exaggerated costumes and makeup. I'm like, have you been to any churches lately? <laughs> Especially at Easter time. Yeah. You know, so I thought, okay. And by the way, this trend is following similar legislation that's gaining traction in a couple of different states, Arizona, Texas, Idaho, Michigan, Montana, Missouri, Tennessee, Nebraska, South Carolina, and West Virginia. And then on top of all this, yeah, yeah. Then on top of all this, um, we know from reporting that drag queen story hours in, in states like California and New York and, and uh, North Carolina have been targeted by far right boy or the proud boys, which show up when they're, they cover their faces. They wouldn't bother covering them during the pandemic, but now they cover them when they go to drag. <laughs> they're not allowed to masturbate the proud boys, are they? What's that? There's a, yeah, that's there. Yeah, that, that one. No, that's um, that's the other crazy one. The uh, oh. um, but you know, you may be right about that. Come to think of it, um, they had to wear khakis. I mean, there's a whole yeah, there's a whole thing, and you know, it's just another a whole different of, form of drag. It's another. It's, <laughs> thank you. It's another club. We, and here's how you're gonna dress. <laughs> here's what you're gonna do. But you know, the Proud Boys are very threatening when they show up at a library with a bunch right. of toddlers and parents, and they're coming in with a sidearm and they got the bandana over their face and they have the black t-shirt with the yellow Proud Boys thing. Right. And and legislators think that's okay. Right. You know, it, it's interesting they're listening to Curious George found a ball. Right? Yeah, I just don't know when the culture war and I hate that phrase because that's that's not something you and I ever came up with. I don't think there's a there's a need to have any culture war. I don't know why drag fell into the, the, the X, the bullseye marks, the spot, right? And there's a bunch of stuff. But yeah, once again, you and I have said this for many, 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 many years. It's okay to do all of this because it's LGBTQ, right? Yep. Yep. If it was any other sort of underserved or uh, community that um, was getting this sort of, sort of level of nonstop anti-legislation and, and uh, vitriol, it, would, uh, it wouldn't work. Or it wouldn't go. So it, it is. It is sad, and that's why more than ever, um, you know, it's important to support LGBTQ media and outlets and agencies and everybody else that uh, keeps our message out there, right? So, well, at least a, a, and a and a venue for you know just hearing your own voice, right? Like media represents us. It's a voice. It's a face. Yeah, what that, that was a weird one. I mean, you, you chuckle at it because it's so crazy, right? Like the Oklahoma bill would fine and jail drag queens. You're like, what world? And then you get into it. You're like, oh my God, they're actually thinking of us. Anyway. That's really true. Yeah. So, and, and it'd be curious to see what happens. I think somebody said it was, there's been over 146 different bills since January 1st that have been put into legislatures that were anti-LGBTQ uh, in the last, uh, you know, yeah, and I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm struggling thinking, what have I done to somebody? <laughs> well, how did I do? What did I do? How did I do it? Anyway, thanks for joining us on uh, TFGM button this week. Uh, stay tuned and, um, obviously look for the focus group, which, uh, the video for that drops on Wednesdays on YouTube and everything's always available at focusgroupradio.com. And we want to thank again, our partner critics choice video, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987. You can get to their site by going to ours, focusgroupradio.com, and clicking on the Critics' Choice logo. Go down the rabbit hole. Maybe get yourself a catalog. You can request one in the upper left corner. Nonlinear shopping at its best. Everybody have a super great week. Like that, a super great week. (laughs) And we'll see you next week. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.